Have you ever heard this phrase, he or she is hanging by a thread? You may be here today and you may say, I've not only heard it, that's me. Right now I feel like I'm hanging by a thread. Or maybe you said, not right now, but I have. And there are going to be other times perhaps in your life where you're going to feel like you're just hanging by a thread. Uh, those times, you know, when you just feel like quitting. You ever felt like that? I mean, in the Christian life, I just kind of felt like quitting. I just didn't know if I could do this. Uh, times where I just wanted to, to, to throw the towel in, so to speak, spiritually, or, or to, or, or, or to just, just quit walking with God. You ever been there? You ever felt like that? I was growing up, there was a little toy, and it was called a Weeble. Any of you remember Weebles? What did you know about Weebles? <laughs> Weebles wobble but they don't fall down, right? And, they would, and you know, that's sometimes the way our faith feels. It's wobbling, isn't it? It's wobbling. It hadn't, it hadn't fallen over, but it, 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 it is wobbling. And today, what I want to say to you, if that's where you are, I want to tell you to hang in. And I want to show you some things in just a few minutes that Jesus said about how to hang in there, how to, how to hold on, uh, how to keep going. I've never told you this story, but this is a good place to do so. I guess it was somewhere in... I guess I'd been here, I guess it was somewhere in my third to fourth year that I had been here as your pastor, that a member of our congregation came to see me, and I could tell that something was weighing pretty heavily on her, and she set up an appointment, and uh, she came in to see me. She actually had stopped me on a Sunday morning and said, Pastor, could I come see you? And I said, yeah, is there anything I can help you with? She said, I just need to come and see you. She set up the appointment. She came in to see me. And in our conversation, after some pleasantries, she said, Pastor, I need, to, I need to tell you something. She said, there's a group of people in our church. It was a small group, but she said, they're plotting and scheming to take you down and to get you fired. And she said, I know what they're planning. And she said, because they assumed I would go along and they've come to me and talked to me about being a part of it as well. But she said, Pastor, I love you, and I don't want to be a part of anything like that, but I felt like I needed to come and tell you what's going on. Not long after that, a man came to me and said the same thing, essentially, that, Pastor, I need to let you know that there's a group of people trying to organize to have you fired. Well, upon hearing this, my first instinct, not to them, but my first instinct after I heard the news and they had left was to was a fleshly one, you know, just to get in my flesh. And, and uh, my instinct was to say, I'll just do them a favor. I'll just leave. Um, and uh, I could have. At the time, I had three other churches that were, two had asked me to come and talk about being their pastor, and a, a third one which said to me, we don't even need to talk. All you have to do is say, yes, we believe that you are God's man for us. And then the very uh, a VP from the agency I had left to come here had contacted me and said, would you come back and head a new division connecting with pastors around the country? And I have to tell you, and I tell you that to say this, my flesh said, you don't have to take this. You have options. Take one of those doors. Instead of hanging on or hanging in, 
just go to the next thing. And they were, uh, they were very prominent places. And I could have I just said, I'm not going to fight any battles. I'm just not going to stay. And, um, but I did think at least I was smart enough to say, what well, I need to pray before I make anything hasty. And, um, and so I spent time with the Lord. On the, in the days that followed, I spent time with the Lord. And the Lord gave me uh, no peace about, about le- leaving. In fact, the Lord basically whispered to my heart and said, those who are plotting against you didn't call you here. I called you here, and I'll tell you when you are to leave. And I didn't say that made it easy. But I said, okay, Lord. And basically the Lord told me, just stay quiet, be still, and know that I'm God. And that's hard for me to do. Uh, God grew me to a commitment when I came to be your pastor, a twofold commitment. The commitment was this. Number one, always feed them well in the Word of God. And the second was, always lead them well in the way of God. And so that was, and by the way, it is still my goal, to feed you well, to lead you well. But, uh, but my flesh said, don't take this. That's what our flesh does, doesn't it? Our flesh says, there's another way, take the other way. There's an easy way, take the easy way. Sometimes that is the way. But our flesh will always say, it will always go into a defensive mode. And so as I prayed and I sought God and he just whispered to my heart and said, you let me handle it. That's, what he, that's a quick way of saying. He just whispered and said, you, you be still and know that I'm God. You let me handle it. I will handle it. And by the way, he did. Both the, the matter and those who uh, had schemed. And uh, he said, uh, so just wait on me. Just, just hold on. And uh, listen to me. And by the way, the only person God gave me liberty to tell, aside from my wife, was my deacon chairman. And uh, by the way, he's not doing well these days. And, uh, um, but I told him, I said, I want you to know, I don't want you to do anything. I'm not asking, I'm not telling you, because I want you to, to make this an issue or, or, or talk about it. But I just think you need to know in case the enemy, uh, the enemy, and I'm talking about the big enemy, tries to use it to divide our church. I said, God has told me just to be quiet and let him handle it. But I just wanted him to know. Now you say, why do you tell us all of And by the way, as I said, God did handle it. I'm still here <laughs> to the chagrin, maybe of some, I don't know, but I'm still here. God handled the matter and the chief leaders of the plot. I tell you that because it was privately one of those times in life where I wanted to let go. It was one of those times where I wanted to go on to something else, and I knew I could. I just wanted to throw the towel and say, I, I don't want to do this then. If, 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 I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to engage in some kind of conflict that could split the church of God. And so, God, I, it was one of those kinds of times. Have y'all ever been there? said, I just don't want, maybe not like this, but the Lord just kept gently saying, and for lack of a better term, hang in there. 
You know what he said? He said, abide. He said, abide. Abide in me. Remain in me. Trust in me. Depend on me. Watch and see what I will do. Now, if you're in a place like that right now, not like my situation, but it, 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 the story may be singular. Uh, it, maybe it's a matter of your finances. Maybe it's a matter of, of health. Maybe it's a matter of relationships. Your marriage and your family is uh, hanging by a thread, you feel like. Maybe it's a matter of discouragement or disappointment, and, and it's drained you emotionally. Well, whatever it is that has brought you to the place of despair and caused you to take your eyes off of dependence on God, I am here to tell you this morning, hang in there. Abide. Remain. I want to read the text. I want you to remain seated. As I told you last week, I want you to remain seated because I, I just don't want you concentrating on when you're going to sit down instead of on the passage. So follow along with me, if you will. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, Father, would you speak to our hearts today? There are people in this auditorium that are hanging by a thread, I'm sure. There are others, Father, that have come through it, or others that are about to go into something that's going to test and try them. Uh, And, Father, their faith is going to try to wobble on them. I pray, Father, that these words will become a reminder in their hearts to abide in you, to hang in and hang on to you. So, Father, would you use them today and speak into our hearts, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me give you some background to chapter 15. Chapter 15 is set among chapters 13 to 17. We call these chapters 13 to 17, we call them the upper room discourse. They are Jesus' farewell address to his followers. And, he, and it's, it's cram-packed full of information that they would need. And by the way, we need as well. 
And so he's saying, I'm about to leave you, but I don't want your hearts to be thrown in chaos. That's what he says in in chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled or chaotic. He said, why is that? Because I'm going to give you the truth. In the world, you're going to have lies. In the world, you're going to have turmoil. In the world, you'll be hated. But he said, here's the good news. I've overcome the world. And I want to help you before I go from you and then send the Spirit to come back and reside in you. I want you to know the truth that will save you in the midst of difficulties. And so he's given this farewell discourse to his disciples. He knows he's about to be tried, and he's going to be crucified. And he wants them to have a glimpse of what to expect ahead. And he gives them the secret to survival. The secret to survival, it's still true today. Do you know what it is? It's this one word, abide. Abide. That's the secret to survival. It's the secret for them. It is the secret 2,000 years later. Abiding is the spiritual idea of hanging on or hanging in. The word abide is used no less than 11 times in this, uh, uh, this section of Scripture. In the Greek, the word is meno, and here's what it means in the Greek. It denotes a relational dependence. The word in the Greek means uh, to remain in a state or a place. It's also used sometimes about residence. So, so I reside with him, that idea. It is the kind of idea of dwelling with him in our relationship and true dependence. Jesus describes this kind of abiding relationship with the illust- illustration of the vine and its attached branches. In verse 1, he declares that he is the vine. Um, God is the vine dresser, and that you and I are the dependent branches. Now, I want you to note something there in verse 1. I've preached this text uh, over the years a number of times, but I don't think I ever picked up on what I'm about to tell you. Maybe you have, but he says, I am the true vine, Chuck. He says, I'm the true vine. I think I've always just kind of glanced on past that, but it suddenly dawned on me, why would Jesus tell them I am the true vine? So stay attached to me. Here's why. Because like today, back then, there were a lot of vines you could attach yourself to. There were a lot of things that you could let drive your life. And uh, there were a lot of vines that you could cling to instead of the true vine. He says, I want you to know I am the true vine. I'm the vine that you need to hold to, that you need to hang on to. There are many false vines. And Jesus uh, uh, reminds us that, that, uh, that in this world, you'll have many things that pull at you, right? Paul even said there are many false Christs that have already, antichrists, John talked about, that have already gone out into the world. And the fact is that people tend to cling to the wrong kinds of vines, hoping that those vines are going to make their life work. They cling to things like material things. Nothing wrong with material things, but don't cling to them. By the way, they can be gone as fast as they come. Uh, If we're not careful, we'll cling to things like government and politics. Well, the government is going to save us, and the government's going to pull us through. I want to tell you something. Most of the time, if you put your trust in government, I don't care what party you're in, it's going to disappoint you sooner or later. You can try to cling to the, the, the vine of worldly philosophies. Well, here's what's politically correct, or here's the ideologies of the world. And if you'll just hang on to these and allow these to shape your life, these ideologies will carry you. You can cling to them. And then there's the cultural opinions of the age. Whatever the culture says, that's what's valid. You be careful because you see there are a lot of vines out there that people are attaching themselves to, but they're lifeless vines. They can't sustain the branch. 
And so Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Don't confuse me with all the substitute vines out there. I'm the true vine. So I want to ask you this morning, are you clinging to the right vine? Are you discouraged today? Then you may be clinging to the wrong vine. Are you walking by fear or faith? You may be clinging to the wrong vine. How do you face the future? Tells a lot about the vine that you're clinging to. And Jesus gives these instructions to his closest followers because he wanted them to go forward effectively. He knew that they were going to be tested. He knew that they were going to be tested. He knew that they would experience difficulties. And he wanted them, and he wants you to know the secret of real spiritual life is found in learning how to hang in by abiding in Christ. So let me show you four things, all right? Number one, I want you to see in verse two, the fruit-bearing process. Every branch in me, now remember, he, Jesus uh, identified the characters. There is uh, the, the vine, that's him. There is the branch, that's us. And there's the vine dresser. Who is that class? Who's the vine dresser? That's God. God takes care of the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And so, and so he talks about here in verse 2 this fruit-bearing process. There are two things involved in the process, he says. Number one, it involves a process of elimination. Did you notice what he says the vine dresser does with, with the branches? He says uh, uh, a branch that has no fruit has no life. And what does the vine dresser do with that? If it doesn't have any life, he cuts it away. He puts it in a pile of dead things. Now, here's my question to you this morning. How do you know and how do we know that we have life in Christ? Do you know how we know that we have life in Christ? Listen, don't miss this. It is by our fruit. In fact, Jesus even clarified in Matthew 7, 16. He said, you will recognize them by their fruit. It is your fruit that demonstrates that you have life in Christ. No fruit, no life in Christ. So it involves a process of elimination. Secondly, it involves the process of cultivation. Did you notice this? Now, if the branch doesn't have life, the vine dresser knows which branches have life and, and which do not. He already knows that, okay? You may fool people around you, but you don't fool the vine dresser. And so he says, those that don't have life, hey, he says, I just kind of put them to the side. I put them in a pile. I'm not going to let them continue to draw resources from the vine. But those who do have life, he, he does something else. What does he do? He cultivates them. God examines every branch. And the ones that are bearing fruit, he determines how much fruit are they bearing and what do I need to do to cause them to bear more fruit. And you know what he does? He does a painful thing. He prunes them. Pruning is required to bear more fruit. I've told you the story of my famous grapefruit tree when I lived in Florida, and this thing would produce, and I hate grapefruit. Everybody else had tangelo and orange trees in their yard. I had one grapefruit tree, and I want to tell you, it was a doozy. I mean, it dropped those grapefruits in, in season. Man, we had them. I mean, they were like cannonballs. I'd run over them with the lawnmower, and you know, the whole neighborhood would have to go inside. And I tried to like them. I try, have you ever tried to make yourself like something? I tried to like them. I couldn't. I bought a juicer and all. I'm going to make grapefruit juice. And I tried to suck it down. And I just, uh, I just don't like them. They're pink grapefruit too. As grapefruit go, they're pretty good if you like grapefruit. 
But man, it produced a bumper crop. They'd be all over the place, all that. And you know what you have to do, because this tree is a tree, and you know, so I, I'm a young man. I think I'm cutting as much of this thing down as, so it can't drop in, and I cut it, cut it back, way back. Boy, was that a mistake. It's like it took vengeance on me, and it produced more and more and more. Guess what? I thought I was making it pay for those things that had dropped all over my yard, but what in reality I did is it was a fruit producer, and I pruned it, and guess what? It came back, and it produced even more. We have in our, as you walk up our sidewalk to our front door some years ago, we put uh, some little tiny thing called knockout roses. Any of you know what a knockout rose is? I think they named it knockout because you can't knock it out. And now this thing is, well, there are two of them, and I have to cut them back because if you walk past it, and they have massive thorns on them. They're painful. I know. And uh, so every once in a while, I just have to get out there, and I have to whack them, whack them. And I no longer, at first, I thought, well, they're beautiful roses and blooms and all of that. And so I would trim them back nicely and everything and they would still produce and not have to. And then finally, someday, uh, Allison and I got to the point where we said, those things are not worth what they do. Cause I mean, they explode. This thing started here and I mean, they're all over the place. I cut it back and it comes back even bigger and everything. And you can't kill them. The more you prune them, the bigger they get. Allison asked me the other night, <laughs> we were on the front porch. She said, would you turn the sprinklers on for some plants that she had put out? And I said, yes. And we're standing watching the sprinklers. Our daughter calls us while we're standing there watching the sprinklers. She said, what are y'all doing? And Allison says, oh, we're standing on the porch watching the sprinklers. And our daughter said, y'all are old. <laughs> I said, you know, the funny thing is, it's really satisfying watching that water ticker. <laughs> but while we're standing there, Allison says, you know, I just want to get rid of those things. And I said, I do too, but cutting them back doesn't work. I'm going to have to dig them up. And I'm still <laughs> not certain. I won't get roses out of the ground from that place where they are. My point is telling you this. The process of cultivation actually works. When you prune something, it produces more. Do you know God has to prune your life? And some of you here today that may be hanging by a thread or feel like you're, you just can't keep going, listen, what God may be doing right now is he may be pruning you. God tested Abraham, the Bible says. That God, it's not, James talks about the trials and, and the process of that trial. God may be pruning you, people. It's his refining process. Listen to what Job said. Do y'all think Job got pruned a little bit? Listen to what Job wrote. He said, but he, God, knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, pruned me, tested me, I shall come out as gold. I shall come out as gold. Listen, hang on. Hang in there. When God's finished, if he's pruning you right now, when God's finished, you're going to be a better you for him than you are now. But if, God, if there's no cultivation going on in your life, you need, it's time for you to do some serious examination. Why is there no fruit in my life? All right? 
That's the fruit-bearing process. Number two, I want you to see the fruit-bearing purpose. Verses 2 and verse 6 remind us of that. Again, when it says that, look at verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, it's thrown away like a branch and withers, becomes useless to God. Your purpose is to bear fruit. Listen, you were created to bear fruit for God. Now you say, now wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you told us last week that we were created to glorify God. I did tell you that last week. And today I'm telling you, you were created to, to bear fruit for God. Am I confused? That does happen. But I'm not here. And I'll show you a little bit later at the end of the message why I'm not. Because there is a direct connection between bearing fruit and glorifying God. And so, there are two kinds of fruit in this, this fruit-producing life that God has created you for. There's, first of all, there's internal fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit, you see. And if you are abiding in Christ, that means clinging to Him, hanging dependently upon Him, there will be internal evidence that the Spirit of God produces within you that manifests itself outwardly in your life. I'll talk about that in a moment. So here's a question you ask yourself. If there is internal fruit and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, just take a little test with yourself. Ask yourself, are you, uh, am I growing more loving? Am I becoming more kind? Am I becoming more patient? Am I becoming more joyful? Am I becoming more peaceful? Am I becoming more faithful? And if not, be concerned. Because these are fruits that result from the Spirit of God ruling in your life. You with me? So if the Spirit of God is in control of your life, He's operating in your life, these are the natural byproducts. That doesn't mean that all of that fruit is fully cultivated or developed in your life, but it is happening. So are you more loving than you used to be? Are you more kind than you used to be? Are you more patient? Are you more faithful? Are you more peaceful? You say, how can you be peaceful in this world? Paul said there is a peace that passes understanding. It's a supernatural peace. You know why it's a supernatural peace? Because you don't generate it. You see, your peace and my peace is a peace that is a result of our circumstances. So if our circumstances are going favorably, then we can be, have some measure of peace. But listen, when, when all hell breaks loose, where is your peace? If you're not dependent upon the vine, Jesus Christ, you're not going to have supernatural peace. I know what I'm talking about because I've had it. I've experienced it in some of the worst moments in my life where the supernatural peace of God reigned in my heart and I couldn't explain why. I use that that particular trait because it's a fruit generated by the Spirit. Are those things occurring or growing in your life? If you are abiding, there will be external evidence and that's the second kind of fruit. So there's internal fruit, then there's external fruit. And see, If there's no internal fruit, it's unlikely that there will be external fruit. Hello? Because it all starts here first. And so the the two kinds of fruit are internal and external. Colossians 1.10, Paul writes and says, Walk in a manner, listen, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Did you get that? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now listen, if you're abiding, there's going to be this external kind of fruit. And it is an evidence that validates your walk with God. It's not salvation by works. It is 
a salvation that works. You understand? So there's internal and then there's external. If you are not bearing fruit, something is wrong spiritually with you. If there's no internal fruit, there's no uh, legitimate external fruit. You can go through the motions. Now, there are people that do that. They go through external motions. But that won't sustain you over time. Internal fruit produces external fruit. And if you are abiding, there will be both internal and external evidence that your, your relationship with God works. Andre Murray, in his wonderful little book, Abiding Christ, you ought to read it. He says, all the branch, that's us, possesses, belongs to the vine. Everything we possess belongs to the vine. The branch does not exist for itself, but it exists to bear fruit that can proclaim the excellence of the vine. Did you get that? That's about the glory thing again. The, the branch exists, he says, uh, to bear fruit that, that points to the excellence of of the vine, of Jesus Christ. It glorifies him. In other words, it has no reason of existence, he writes, except to be in service to the vine. There's a third thing I want you to see. I want you to note the fruit-bearing power. We've looked at the fruit-bearing process, uh, elimination and cultivation, the fruit-bearing purpose, and that is to, uh, to produce through internal and external uh, uh, fruit. Uh, we've talked about uh, that. And then we talk about the fruit-bearing power. Number three, Oswald Sanders writes and says this, a fruitless disciple is a contradiction in terms. If there's no fruit in our lives, we cannot claim to be disciples. Now, here's what I want you to know about power. This word abiding is a powerful word. That's why Jesus wanted them to get it. And they understood what he was saying. He's talking about abiding is not only our dependence, but it is our source of power. A branch cannot produce on its own. If you, that's why God said if you're not a legitimate branch, he just takes the branch, cuts it off, puts it in a pile because it's used. The only thing you can do, by the way, he does with it, and that is kindle a fire. That's about all it's good for. And then it's toast. It's history. But if you depend on the vine, not only do you have the assurances of the vine, but you have the power of the vine. It is like the sap running through. It's the sap running through the branch that produces the fruit. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here, that you cannot produce fruit on your own. You can want to, but you can't produce fruit on your own. The power that enables fruit bearing is a result of our uh, total dependence on the vine. Now, listen to me. You are not responsible for the power. You are, listen, don't miss this. This is very important. You are not responsible for the power needed to produce fruit. That's not your responsibility. You are responsible to stay plugged in. You are, see, it is his responsibility to provide you the power. That is what Jesus would go on and talk about extensively about going to the Father and sending back the Spirit so the Spirit would reside in us so we would have power to live and to live for him. You say this Christian life is hard. It is hard. I want to tell you something. Not only is it hard, it is impossible apart from the power of God. 
And so that's what, that's the picture that Jesus wants us to get here is that we can't produce, we can't live the Christian life on our own. We can't produce the fruit. We can outline the list. We can talk about good deeds and all of those sorts of things that should manifest themselves from the life of a follower of Christ. But I want to tell you something, all of those things are impossible without the power of Christ. I mean, legitimate. How do we know that? Because Paul would write in Corinthians and say this. He would say in that final day, you know, when we stand before God, he, he said there's going to be things that, that are wood, hay, and stubble, and they're going to be burned up. They were works, but they were not works of God. They were not works from the power of the Spirit of God operating in a life. They may have looked right. Do you remember the people, it says in the last day, they will stand before God and say, but Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? And Jesus doesn't say, no, you didn't. What, he, what, what Jesus points to is that happened because of the power of my name, but it had nothing to do with you because it wasn't your power that did it. Notice they say, didn't we? We did these things. No, the name of Jesus did those things. They took credit for it, and that's part of the problem. That's another sermon. Nonetheless, uh, what they were saying is we did all these things, and Jesus said that stuff is wood, hay, and stubble. It burns up. So the power to produce legitimate fruit is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to cling to the source of power. And if you're discouraged today and you're in despair for some reason or you're going through a test or God is pruning you, I just want to tell you today, hang on and depend, abide in him. That's where the power is. Remain in him. In fact, Alice and I were talking about my message Friday evening uh, over dinner, and she said, you know, you know, abiding is resting effortlessly. And I said, that's exactly right. I said, how'd you know that? Because <laughs> she's smarter than me. I said, that's exactly right. That's the idea in the Greek is that it is effortly resting on him. It is like sitting in your seats. It's like sitting out here and saying, what are you doing? Well, I'm effortly resting. And now here's how I know that some of you are because I can see you and your eyes are closed. You're effortly resting, right? Effortly resting in him. Well, that's what it means to abide in him. And because you do that, his power becomes accessible to you. You are not responsible for the power. Quit worrying about generating the power or the works or the fruit. Your responsibility is to cling to the power source, to stay plugged in to the power source. And I want to suggest to you that when things aren't so good in your life, that's more motivation to cling to the power source than ever before. And by the way, the church needs to hear that message today. With so much going on in our world, listen, we must stay plugged in to the power of the Spirit of God. Because I tell you, if we don't, all we're going to have is useless, dry religion. You don't want that. I don't want that. I want the lifeblood, the power of the Spirit of God infused in me, flowing through me. And I want to tell you, we say, let's see revival. Let's see revival. We won't see revival until we surrender to the power of the vine. All we'll do is just generate good things, good works, but we need power. Amen? We need power. Listen, you cannot produce fruit on your own, but I want to tell you one other thing. You cannot sustain fruit on your own. 
you can't sustain fruit. Notice Jesus said, you can't bear fruit unless you abide in me again. In, in the Greek, give you a little Greek lesson. That's in what we call the aorist constantive. Okay? Now write that down. You'll impress your friends. Oh, this word is in the aorist constantive. What does that mean? Well, essentially what that means is this is an urgent command, something that continues beyond the moment in which it first occurs. So this command, right? Bear fruit, abide in me so you can bear fruit. Why? So you can continue to sustain it. So the fruit can continue to happen, not just momentarily, not just in the moment, so it can continue to happen. So the abiding process starts, and then it must be, that process must be sustained in order to sustain fruit. So you can't produce fruit on your own, but you can't sustain fruit on your own. And just because, listen, just because you have produced fruit in the past does not mean you will sustain fruit production in your life in the future. In fact, if the only fruit that you can point to is the past fruit of God's work in your life, you are no longer abiding in him. Did you get that? If the only fruit you can point to is back there, you are not abiding right here. Because this is an active process. Let me give you an example personally. Just this past month while I was away, God spoke into my heart several things about me. He pruned a few things. And I can see some new fruit. I can see some fruit in some areas of my life. And I thank God for all the past fruit of my life that he has produced through his spirit in me but abiding in the present is what produces ongoing fruit. Abiding right now is what keeps the fruit process happening. You want to know why many Christians are just trying to hang on? It's because they're trying to live off of old fruit. They're not living in the power of the Spirit right now. They're living off the old fruit. Yeah, but I can. I remember, I remember, I remember. There's a place for remembering. I, I remember, I, God tells us there's a place for remembering. But we don't live on our remembrances. We live in the power of the Spirit of God right now. And if you try to live the Christian life on what God has done through you or with you or produced in you in the past, you cannot sustain it. Have you ever eaten any old fruit? How many of you in this place have eaten some old fruit? Have you ever eaten old fruit? I mean, I mean, you might not have known. Sometimes fruit can look edible, and then you bite into it, and you say, that is not good. You know, mushy apple, you ever bit into a mushy apple? You ever, you ever bit, a, bit a slimy banana? <laughs> How about gooey grapes? You know, these things are, it doesn't take but a bite, and you realize that's unedible. I hope you threw them away. Do you get the picture? That's the way it is. It's kind of, it's a little bit kind of, if we, if I really talked about old fruit like that for a while, you'd kind of get nauseous. I'd mess your lunch up, right? But listen to me, friend, that is what it's like. 
spiritually when we try to live off of old fruit. How about you? Can you point to fresh fruit in your life? Is there fresh fruit happening through your life because of the abiding work of Christ? You you are abiding in him and he's abiding in you. I have to finish up. Number four, there's the fruit-bearing product. This is my favorite part. The fruit-bearing product. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There are two products that result from you abiding in the vine and the power of the Spirit of God bearing fruit through you. What are they? He says them very clearly right here. Number one, number one, it glorifies the Father. Remember I told you at the beginning there's a direct connection? Remember I said we are created to bear fruit. You are created to bear fruit. Last week I said you were created to glorify God. Do you see what he says right here? you see what Jesus says right here? He says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear fruit. You bear much fruit. When you are bearing fruit because you are abiding in the power of the Spirit of God, guess what? It pleases God. God is glorified. But there's a second thing, a second product, a fruit-bearing product. What is it? Not only does it glorify the Father, but it identifies the follower. Did you catch that in verse 8? By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and look at this, and so prove to be my disciples. It identifies the followers. Jesus said that uh, fruit bearing is evidence of who you belong to. It's the proof. And tragically today, there are many people who confess themselves as followers of Jesus, but the problem is there is no genuine spiritual fruit that identifies them. Now, They produce a kind of fruit. You could argue that everybody's producing some kind of fruit. They produce a kind of fruit. They may confess Christ, but there's no spiritual fruit, but there's a fruit coming out of their life. Listen, but it's a kind of fruit that the non-believer, the non-follower of Christ can produce. In fact, listen to this. You know people that confess Christ as their Savior and Lord, and their mouth is just as foul as those who don't know it? And their attitude is just as sour as people that don't know Christ. Their behaviors, if they were revealed, would embarrass the name of Jesus. Their use of money, their use of their calendar, their commitments, all call into question the real identity of their life. Seriously, you say? Yeah, seriously. That's what Jesus said. I'm just repeating it. Your fruit generated through the power of the Spirit, distinguishes you from the person who claims to be a follower of Christ, but whose fruit is no different than those who don't follow Christ. There's no such thing as Sunday fruit. There's just fruit. And it's either spiritual fruit or it is the fruit of lostness. that's all there is. Are, are you familiar with the bitternut tree? You ever heard of the bitternut tree? I, I hadn't until I started doing my research on my message. The bitternut tree um, does not bear fruit every year. It only bear, bears fruit every three and sometimes as long as five years out. 
Uh, the beech tree, I discovered, bears fruit every eight years. The white oak tree can go, listen, as long as 10 years without bearing any fruit. But the granddaddy of them all is bamboo, which bears fruit, listen to this, only every 120 years. I want to ask you, what does your fruit bearing say about you? What does the fruit or the lack of spiritual fruit say about you? Jesus told us to hang in there, not by a thread, but by daily abiding. If anyone, however, he says, does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch. He withers and the, the branches are gathered and they're thrown in the fire and burned. I close by asking you this question. Have, have you stopped abiding? If so, why? I firmly believe that the church in America stopped abiding in Christ. You say, well, well, on what basis? Well, Jesus hadn't told me anything. But the fruit seems to suggest it, doesn't it? I mean, if the church in America today we're doing what Jesus told his followers in this final discourse, don't you think there would be a huge move of God across this land? So my question is, are you abiding in him? If not, why not? What happened? You know what? When we stop abiding in him, he doesn't leave us. Jesus never leaves us. Thank God for that. Amen? He doesn't leave us. We just lose the purpose of our existence. And we start losing that kind of connection. You know, some branches draw just a little bit of sap. And some draw abundant sap. Where are you in the spectrum? He says in verse 7, you must let his word abide in you. He said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, abides in you, Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is the word abiding in you? Is it abiding there? You know what abiding means? It means you obey. The word comes and you obey it. What God says, I'm going to do. It doesn't matter who does or who doesn't around me, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do what it says. That's what Jesus means when he says, let my words abide in you. You say, but... How do I even begin the process of abiding? You have to surrender to him. You have to surrender. John, Jesus said this in John 6, verse 37. He said, whosoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's good news, isn't it? You just come to me. I'm not going to cast you out. That's how you begin the abiding process. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Look, take this very seriously before we're gone. Are you abiding in Christ? I didn't say, are you a follower of Christ? Do you confess to me? If I said, are you abiding in him? Are you abiding? Are you depending on the power of the Spirit of God in your life to help you operate? It's the only way you can live effectively, bring glory to God, produce fruit, and find his peace in life. And it may be 
you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. How do you do that? You say, how can I do I need that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, the Scripture says. Those of you who are watching us on television and by live stream, it's true for you. You don't have to sit in this building to put your trust in Him, to begin the abiding process. And this morning, I would invite you to pray a prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, right now, I call on you. I want you to be my Savior. I don't want to be a religious person. I want to be a person who is related to you. I want to abide with you. I want to remain with you. I want to, uh, to rely on you effortlessly. And right now, I call on you. I do what you told me to do. Whosoever shall call. And I'm calling right now. Lord, you died for me. I know that. I understand that. You love me in spite of me. Uh, I can't clean myself up. I come to you just as I am. I receive you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And sustain me. Some of you are watching. Some of you are in this room. And you, you are struggling to hang in. I don't know what it is, what may be going on in your life, the circumstances, the details. I, I don't know that, don't need that, but you're just struggling. And I really believe that God gave me this message to give to you, to say to you, don't quit. Hang in there. Abide in Him, not because you see the way through, Be amazed, be still, and know that He is your God. And if that's you, why don't you just tell Him this morning, in your heart of hearts, why don't you just say, Lord, I know you're my Savior, but the fruit is weak. Father, renew my abiding relationship with you. I want fresh fruit in my life. I want fresh fruit. Not so other people can see it. I just want what it does between me and you. I want you. I want more of you, God. More of you. So, Lord, I renew my abiding commitment. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. When I'm anxious, I will depend on you. When I don't know what to do like Jehoshaphat, I will look to you. I will turn my eyes to you and see what you will do. Because I'm going to abide in you. Lord, you hear these prayers being offered up to you this morning. Thank you that you hear. Thank you that you hear them. And God, would you move, would you manifest yourself in fresh ways and powerful ways upon our lives for your glory, your glory, no man's glory, no church's glory, no religion's glory, for your glory alone, manifest yourself on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me for our time of invitation? Maybe you prayed a prayer to put your trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to slip out. I know we're late. Just relax. Abide. Maybe today you called on him to be your savior. Would you slip out and come down here and take one of our staff on the aisles, me, and just say, you know, today, I put my trust, I really put my trust. There's been no fruit in my life. There's been no evidence that I've been saved. I've been religious, but I don't want to be religious. I want to be related. Would you come and say, Pastor, that's, 
today, that's what I've done. I've tr trusted Christ, really trusted Christ. Maybe you're here and you say, I did that a long time ago, but I, I need a family to belong to. I want to connect with Ridgecrest. Would you come and connect with us today and say, I want to join Ridgecrest. I know I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer. He lives in me, but I need a church family. You do. If you don't have one or if you're not connected with one, you need to come and connect today. Maybe you want to come and fill this altar up. Bend the knee. Say, what will people think? Who cares what people think? This is about God. This is about abiding in God. If you need to talk to God, come talk to God. You may be praying. We don't know what you're praying about. We don't know what you're seeking Him about. There's something powerful about bending a knee before God. So you come and you kneel before Him if you want to talk with Him. This place is open to you to do that. Whatever He moves upon your heart, you slip out. As Brother Tim leads us.